Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Before we get started, I am very excited to announce that Graphisoft is now an official partner of Entree Architect and the Entree Architect community. I've been meeting with the Graphisoft team for months preparing for this partnership, and I can, I can confidently say that our friends at Graphisoft are fully committed to supporting our architecture firms and our transition to ARCHICAD and BIM. ARCHICAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery, no matter the project size or complexity. With flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ARCHICAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. And that's why I am personally committed to finally making the move to BIM myself, from CAD to ARCHICAD. And I'll share more about that as I progress. I'll, I'll keep you updated. So regardless of which design software you're using today, I encourage you to reach out and talk to the team at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our community of architects. So go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. Now, let's get on with the show. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you 
build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Scott Ruzich, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, being here today. Well, it's great having you here. Scott Ruzich uh, leads a company that is aggressively at the forefront of modern technology. Epic Smart Homes exists to connect the dots between how we live and what we can do to remove tedium and joy and add joy. You don't want to remove joy. You want to add the joy. Yeah. <laughs> um, founded in 2005 with many successful residential and uh, commercial installations across California, Texas, Nevada, Hawaii. Epic is built on the understanding that time is the most precious commodity. And I love that. That's so true. Uh, Scott Ruzich, welcome. And uh, thanks for joining me here today on the podcast. Re really a pleasure. I appreciate being here today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is a this is a topic that I uh, I have not yet um, taken the the dive into, but it is something that fascinates me and uh, I love smart homes. Um, and so I'm really looking to forward to to talking to you about this as we as we get into this. All right, absolutely. Let, let me ask you the uh, your origin story. Where did this all start? You know, when did you discover your passion for what you do? And maybe who or what inspired you to to follow this path? Uh, so I always loved technology, even as a little kid. Um, when my mom got her first, uh, you know, some stereo equipment and things like that, I, I put it together. I'd put it together and take it apart, put it together, connect the wires, take it apart. I, I just kind of always loved wires and technology and things like that. And um, I wound up on a path that, that brought me to this destination and everything led up to it. And it was completely unplanned in so many ways. Uh, I was very fortunate and uh, I wound up uh, taking a programming class in seventh grade. So I started doing some computer programming very, you know, fairly early at the time. Uh, my high school had an electronics lab, which was fairly unusual for a high school. I got hired by a school to the school district I was going to school in doing some computer repair in, in the district and then wound up um, uh, starting to do some lighting and sound and staging things uh, at my high school. Kind of coincidentally, it was one day somebody didn't show up to help <laughs> do run a spotlight for a performance. Yeah. I did that in high and school they, too. That was that's yeah. part of my origin story. Sound and lighting crew. President. That's great. Way, just a it's fun fact. It's a it's a great place to get a lot of experience. Yeah, and um, and so literally somebody walked out and said, "Hey, do you know how to run a spotlight?" And I was like, "Sure, I can figure it out." And they grabbed me, took me up to the spotlight booth, and I was able to hit the marks and yeah. show show went on, and everybody had fun. And they're like, "Hey, you were, you know this worked out pretty well. Do you want to help us on some other stuff?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." So I got involved in the high school and in the local community theater and lighting, sound, staging stuff. Yeah. That turned into um, more kind of small and medium venue. I uh, wound up going into a summer music festival uh, with the same group of guys, wonderful mentor, Dave Nigren. Shout out to him if, if he ever happens to hear this. Excellent mentor um, up in Sandpoint, Idaho. And he helped me just learn a different way of thinking. Um, and, he, and was a, he a teacher or how did you, what was his role? So he, he was the guy that came out and said, Hey, do you know how to run a spotlight? He was doing all of this, this small town kind of local, oh, so uh, it lighting. Was a business. 
connected. This was a side business for him. He uh, he had a full time job uh, in a tech in a uh, semiconductor tech company, and um, uh, ultimately that company got sold, and then he wound up doing this full time, and so uh, uh, kind of helped you know helped him kind of get this business that he was very passionate about kind of off the ground, and, and was fortunate enough to kind of be one of his go to guys to help him with that career. And in the meantime, he was giving me just a tremendous amount of, of knowledge. And, um, and it was a lot of fun, you know, being a teenager, you know, being a young, young teenager, getting to go to all these concerts and be backstage and meet performers and have dinner with performers and yeah. kind of a level of access. That's, you know, pretty unreal for that age um, was, was really, was really exceptional. Throughout the years, I, I wound up doing that for for many years with with Dave, and um, just a great set of experiences. And then um, after I graduated from high school, uh, I wound up ultimately getting a, a job. I wound up doing some work in, in automotive for a little bit, and one of my customers asked me, "Hey, uh, why don't you come work for us?" He was doing this was during the dot com boom. And him and his dad owned a very successful company doing network infrastructure. And so they were installing all the wiring and fiber optics to support networking. And, you know, everything was transitioning to internet based at that time. So uh, wound up working for him for a while. That company, there was some acquisition and change and things that happened in that. So I wound up going through several different private contractors over the next couple of years. Uh, again, just kind of building my skills in, in networking and various technology. Uh, ultimately, got a job at UC Davis Medical Center in their telecommunications and IT departments. This is where I met my business partner uh, at the time. And so we got hired there 2001, I think it was. So 2001 through 2005, worked in the telecommunications and IT departments there. Uh, so wonderful experience, big hospital, lots of tech. Um, and we were hiring subcontractors to do audio, video, smart, you know, technology and conference rooms and, you know, just all kinds of various tech stuff. And then while you're doing that kind of work, people are always asking you on the side, Hey, can you come help me install this? Can you come help wire this? And we kind of realized at some point we were, we were making as much money part-time as our full-time jobs with UC Davis, which was a great job. And, and people thought we were crazy when we're like, yeah, we're going to quit and go do this on our own and uh, offer a better level of service than what we see is out there. I mean, even the contractors we were hiring to do stuff and, and work with them on these projects there at the hospital. And um, so we did, we went on our own and people were just like, you guys are nuts. And uh, uh, we did. And that was in 2005 and things were great for several years and uh then the crash kind of happened and and you know eight nine ten i think we are uh, hit us probably around 10 and um so but yeah anyways that's kind of getting forward a little bit but that's kind of the background of all of these weird disconnected kind of jobs and experiences perfectly led me to where i needed to be to start this company in 2005 and um I was also going to college. I was double majoring in business management and electronic engineering. Perfect. And uh, 
Yeah, and it wound up uh, dro- I wound up dropping out my junior year because the company started to take off. So it's like yeah. I can either keep going to school for this or I can just go do it. And I yeah. I took the gamble and said, "Let's go do it." Yeah. So it's it sounds like you literally grew up with the technology, right? That 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 even as a child you were interested in it, but you were like perfectly timed, you know, in high school to get involved with electronics and and lighting and theater design and all the things that sort of was the the seeds and the birth of what we're looking at today, right? And so, uh, and then move your way up through networking and technology through through the the late '90s, early 2000s of of that convergence of technology into our homes and into our businesses and the transformation that that had on our society. You sort of rode that wave all the way through. Uh, to launching your own business. So is that business that you launched, is that Epic Homes? Is that is that where that started? It is. It, it, it's gone through a couple of name iterations. Um, and I had a business partner, wonderful guy uh, named Casey, who we started the company together. Uh, we had a friendship there at UC Davis Medical Center where we were friends and colleagues, started the company together. And uh, for a number of years, uh, you know, that was great. And then in 2017, you know, we just had some differences kind of, of of where we saw the company going and and I wound up purchasing him out of the company and uh, I think it was pretty sure it was 2017 and um, so yeah but that was uh, so again through some of the name changes and everything but that's still still the same essentially the same company that it is today yeah and you do residential and commercial right correct I'd say we're uh, we're currently and have been for the last number of years more focused on the luxury residential market. Um, we do some commercial, kind of goes a little hand in hand with some of that. But um, we've done a ton of commercial over the years. When we first started the company, it was mostly commercially based. Um, and then it's just, it's kind of evolved over the years and uh, you know, the ebbs and flows of the economy and, and opportunities. And so, yeah, at this point, we're, uh, primarily focused, I'd say 90% of our business is residential, about 10% is commercial. Got it. And so, and you're, you're based in the West, California, Texas, Nevada, Hawaii. Um, how did it go from, it started in California, right? Uh-huh. How did. did it go from California to expanding throughout all these different regions? Yeah. So once uh, the recession hit, like I said, down in, in Sacramento, we saw some wonderful opportunities up in Lake Tahoe, a uh, little bit of a micro economy up there with more of the luxury home, vacation home market. Uh, that seemed to be a little bit more consistent. So uh, changed focus, went up to Tahoe, and that was also a shift into more of the luxury residential. And um, that seemed to be coming out of the recession a little bit quicker. And so uh, definitely we were able to make a shift in focus there. And... Uh, when we came up to Tahoe, Lake Tahoe is just, it's split right down the middle between California and Nevada. And so it was a, a real natural transition. Okay, well, we want to expand into Nevada, made sure we got our contractor's license and those things in place. Because uh, there's just a tremendous amount of opportunity on the Nevada side of Lake Tahoe. When you look at like Incline Village and some of those areas, uh, they're on the Nevada side. So um, made sense to to grow that side. And uh, over the years, that's turned out to be a really good move as more and more people have started to kind of shift and transition, uh, you know, out of California into Nevada for whatever various reasons they, they have. And um, 
So that was kind of the first expansion was Nevada. And then as I was looking at that, uh, I wanted to continue to be geographically diverse and, and expand the company. And, and if something ever happened in our local market, there was another opportunity and, you know, for, for the business to be stable and, and also continued growth. So I started looking around at what other areas made sense. You know, where are luxury homeowners building homes? Where is their, you know, development? And, uh, and at that time, call it 2015, uh, Austin had, I think, just recently become one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. And so uh, one of our manufacturers invited us out and was like, hey, we don't really have anybody kind of doing the quality and, and, uh, and the kind of business that you're doing in Tahoe out here in, in Austin. Came, spent a couple of weeks out there and, and just a great area. Loved it. Felt, felt like home. Uh, obviously, great quality projects. And uh, so I was like, sure, let's let's invest in this. Let's do this. And so uh, starting in about 2015, that was when uh, started generating some business out there. 2017 actually acquired another company out there. And um, so that gave us a boost with uh, taking on some really amazing world-class projects that were out there and uh, as well as uh, uh hiring on some of their existing staff, which uh, are some really talented guys. Um, and, and those guys are still with the company now. Great. And so smart homes, what does that mean? Sort of basically what's, what's the, the bread and butter of what Epic Homes does? Yeah. So everything, really anything technology in the homes and uh, first and foremost, network and Wi-Fi, because everything pretty well works on that. Uh, you know, modern technology works on, you know, internet connectivity, hardwired network, Wi-Fi network. That's, that's really how everything kind of talks and communicates for the most part. So first thing we have to do is get that network in there. And that includes all the wiring and the equipment, your modem and router and access points and switches and all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, especially as we've gotten into this new work from home reality, uh, networking everybody is living and dying by their their mobile devices right and um you know it's it's got to work from home kids need to be able to do remote school whatever that looks like for families um so networking is one of the biggest things that we just do as a standard no questions asked kind of thing in every project then on top of that you have all of your security so your uh intrusion detection your, you know, fire, heat, smoke, uh, water detection, leak detection, water detection is water leaks in a home are one of the number one uh, homeowners insurance claims. I mean, they're some of the most damaging claims and, and most common. And so we do various things to uh, monitor water flow and leak detection in a home. Uh, in our colder climates, we do freeze detection. Um, so we monitor both low and high temperatures, depending on the different, you know, climate areas that we're in. And, um, so all of kind of the mechanical monitoring of the house, if you will. So the, the water and the, the heat and the air conditioning, all of those things. Uh, then we get into, uh, video surveillance, uh, you know, just again, securing the home. Uh, you know, these are generally high net worth individuals and whether it's just to be able to kind of monitor the house and see. You know, in the, in the colder climates, hey, did the driveway get plowed, right? Did, did packages get dropped off? Um, what's the weather like before I head up there? 
uh, or to just be able to look in and see, hey, you know, what's, you know, is everything good at the house? Uh, they might be heading up this weekend, right? Uh, a lot of these are vacation homes, second homes. Uh, and um, then obviously the security also, the video surveillance provides a, a security aspect as well. Um, then we can kind of shift into some of the more entertainment uh, features of these systems. And that's you know, music throughout the house, being able to listen to the same or different music in different areas of the house, uh, your media room or your dedicated theater rooms, uh, your outdoor entertaining spaces. You know, we're putting in a lot of outdoor TVs and outdoor music, uh, you know, especially when we get into the, like the Texas and the Hawaii locations where there, you do a lot of outdoor living. Um, you know, in Tahoe, there's, there's certainly some of that, but the weather you know, a little bit more weather prohibited and limited. Uh, and when people are up here in Tahoe, a lot of times they want to get outside of the house, go out golfing, hiking, boating. Um, so they definitely spend outdoor time uh, entertaining in their outdoor entertaining and cooking and uh, those areas. But I would say in Texas and Hawaii, I see even a larger focus on that outdoor entertaining. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out our financials on our own is not one of those things. Luckily, we have FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices, to managing online payments, to organizing expenses and automates them with features like the digital bills and a receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. It's also super easy to get up and running and the award-winning FreshBooks support team, they are always available to answer any questions along the way. Compare that to some of the other financial management tools out there. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, a.k.a. CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by Artcat. Listen and subscribe right now at artcat.com slash podcast. That's rcat.com slash podcast, A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed. Every building has a story. 
This episode is brought to you by the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, the business conference for small firm entrepreneur architects. Learn more at smallfirmconference.com. If you could build a business conference for small firm entrepreneur architects, what would it be? Since I launched Entree Architect back in 2012, I've been listening. I've been watching what members want and learning what we need. And in November, we will gather in Austin, Texas to connect, to celebrate, to honor, and to learn. The Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting was inspired, designed, and launched for you. We invited top speakers to share fast-paced, get-to-the-point, TED Talk-like presentations that will provide you with the information that you need so that you can build the firm that you want. On day one of the conference, following a lineup of fantastic speakers, we'll discover the connection between mental health and our financial wealth with licensed clinical professional counselor, Joyce Martyr. And then we'll be honoring three architect members of the community at the inaugural Entree Architect Honor Awards. On day two, we'll hear from more great speakers, then dive deep into the successful future of our firms with Brian McCartney of ArcMark at a 90-minute strategic planning program. We'll have some fun building models with Kenya and Matt Forget of Sticks and Bricks, and we'll learn from an icon, Gene Cohn, founder of KPF, at the Day 2 keynote. We plan this event to start with an evening reception on Tuesday, November 1st, and end on Thursday afternoon on November 3rd so that you'll have time to connect with friends post-event to discover the city of Austin and its amazing architectural sites on Friday and into the weekend. We've been approved by the AIA for 12.75 CEUs, and everyone will leave with a cool bag of swag. Whether you're a member of the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, a member of the Entree Architect Academy membership, or a small firm architect practicing anywhere in the world who wants and needs the support and connection of like-minded architects, the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting Small Firm Business Conference is for you. With generous support from our friends at Monograph, visit smallfirmconference.com now for tickets, and we will see you in Austin this November. That's smallfirmconference.com. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. What's really become a, a, a growing and, and even larger uh, component of the business now is lighting and shades. Uh, motorized shades and window treatments have been been around for a long time and have been pretty integral in most construction projects. Uh, lighting has really started to change, and this is an area that there's a lot of excitement around with the shift to LED technology. You know, I mean, that's virtually all new lighting is LED now. Lots and lots of talk about that, and there's some big pros and big cons with LED. And um, lights have become very intelligent. And so we're getting to the point now where we're starting to see high voltage actually shift away from the lighting fixtures themselves. And we're actually starting to run low voltage, not only to communicate and talk to the light, but in many instances, we're actually powering the light over low voltage now. And I, I personally think this is the direction we're gonna continue to see lighting go. And it gives a huge amount of flexibility. So we're no longer constrained with when 
traditionally high voltage lights are installed and run and wired, you have to plan what that circuit, that load is going to be. So you may have six different lights up in the ceiling and those are physically tied together by high voltage wire. And when you turn on one, they all turn on. When you dim them, they all dim to the same level. Well, now we're starting to see some differences where uh, you can now start to control individual lights, even if they're all wired together for power. So the light fixtures themselves become network addressable devices and intelligent devices where I can pick any one of those six lights and make it do something different than the rest, whether that's dimming it to a different level, or now we're starting to get into all of the tunable lights where you have different uh, uh, tunable whites or the full color spectrum. And so uh, huge changes in lighting. And I think we're going to continue to see that evolve uh, quite a bit over over the coming years. Yeah, it, that's it. It is fascinating what technology is bringing to our homes. Um, and you said that you're primarily focused on luxury homes. Do you think that um, obviously technology like that always starts at, at the higher levels where people yeah. have the money to spend? Um, do you see it becoming more common where uh, even developer homes are, are using smart technologies in their homes as, as a selling point and conveniences and all the other things? Is it becoming a normal part of building construction? Absolutely. I, I think uh, you're exactly correct. It, it typically starts kind of at the top, right? And you, we see this with smart home tech. We've seen it with uh, Tesla, for instance, right? They started with the luxury one and then started to go more mass market. Right. And I think we've seen the same thing in this industry as well. Um, and, you know, you back up a handful of years, even, even in the luxury market, not every luxury home got smart home technology, or maybe it got a little bit. And as the years have progressed, it, it became more and more and more of a standard. And so now it, it's virtually unheard of to, you know, in the markets that we're in to see a luxury home being built that doesn't have almost all of this technology in it. Um, and in the production side, and we've, we've had discussions, we've done some work on production projects and, and many of the large, you know, national production builders have adopted some form of smart home technology standard. Um, I think the expectations just changed from homeowners and, and certainly in the luxury market, even to the more, you know, kind of mass production market, there's an expectation now that your home is smart. And what that looks like, there's a huge, there's a huge, uh, there's a huge discussion to be had on what that looks like. Many, yeah. you know, some builders are like, oh, your home is smart. Well, it, it's because it has a smart thermostat and maybe, you know, uh, some Wi-Fi that's already built into the house. I'd argue that that's not very smart, but it has a smart product in it. Um, so there is no current standard. And that's one thing that I think our industry is, is lacking is some standards. And what makes a smart home a smart home, right? Just because it has a single smart product in it, I don't think makes a home smart. But um, at some point, hopefully it will continue to evolve and maybe there'll be some agreements on, on what that looks like. Um, and, and there will be some additional standards that, that kind of come into play here, which would be great because then consumers can have a little bit more awareness and a little bit more confidence of when they're buying a quote unquote smart home, what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. And so um, hopefully that will continue to you know evolve 
Yeah, I, I think it'll also evolve from primarily a luxury product, uh, not only to a standard, but also uh, it'll be integrated with sustainability, right? With energy use in the way that, that homes consume energy with technology that the power uh, requirements and all the other things that, that our homes are consuming uh, can be controlled and potentially limited, right? Absolutely. And and you just touched on a really important part of smart home technology, and that's and that is the power itself. Making sure, you know, that we do have good, reliable power, that we're putting into place backup plans, and that's you know, a combination of solar and generator, um, you know, battery and and making these homes in general more energy efficient, more sustainable, more stable. And as we're dealing with, um, you know, I mean, just this week, I, I got notifications on everything from my iPhone to my Tesla that there are issues with the power grid in California. Right. Yeah. And, I, and you know, even in my car, it got in and it said, you know, charging may be interrupted due to, you know, power grid instability from the heat wave that we're experiencing. I don't think these things are going to get better, uh, you know, for a while. And, and so I think it's really important that we all look at this from kind of an individual basis. How can we make our homes a little bit more independent, right? How can we create a little bit more stability and sustainability? And so energy management is another thing that we spend quite a bit of time and focus on and is another kind of growth market for us. And I think it's a, an area that we're seeing a pretty significant uptick in homeowner interest of how can I make sure that my house doesn't lose power? And so taking some control over that and making sure, you know, well, hey, I'm generating power with solar. I'm storing it in batteries on site. Um, I think the, the concept of selling it back to the grid, I think has become less uh, of an advantage. There's been a lot of issues around that. So I, and I don't see a lot of our homeowners being overly concerned with that aspect. Um, but I think taking those steps, you know, unloads the grid overall, right? And, and if you're able to help generate some of that, you know, for your own house, then that that's a great ad for everybody. Um, as smart home technologies become more the standard, uh, architects need to know more about it, right? Because architects are the ones that are sort of conducting the, the design of the entire process. Um, how and when should architects get someone like you involved? If this is going to be a standard, this is something that should be and will be in every home we design. Um, what are some recommendations you have for our listeners who are primarily architects? Yeah, great, great question. And, and this is such an important one. It is never too early to bring a smart home, you know, integrator or technology advisor, consultant, whatever it is that you're going to bring into that project, whoever's going to be providing some level of guidance and direction on the technology, bring it, bring them in early while the plans are being created, right? It's never too early. We work with architects while the plans are being created. We've actually even created some architectural sheets of what a standard equipment room should look like at a minimum. And so that way it's not an afterthought and we're trying to fit all this equipment in, you know, in a little cubby hole underneath the stairs somewhere. We have a proper room, it's it's climate controlled, it has adequate power requirements, it's got you know the correct infrastructure that we can get wiring in and out. And the more complicated these systems are and the more 
that you're planning to integrate these various things, the more considerations need to be taken from an architectural standpoint when you're designing the house. If you're going to be adding, you know, solar, great. We got to make sure all those load calcs are correct for the roof and all of those things, right? Are you doing uh, panels that are integrated into the roof tiles themselves versus, you know, separate? Where are we putting the batteries? Where are we putting the generators? Where, where are all of these considerations, you know, being taken into account versus waiting till the house is framed up and partially built, and now you're trying to figure out fixes for these things. Where does this stuff go? Um, oh, well, that equipment room isn't big enough. We've got to expand it. Well, now that's going to take away from, you know, the closet or the office that's next door to it or any of those things. Those aren't ideal. So the earlier you can bring somebody in, uh, the better. Bring them in in the design phase when you're still working out the details of those plans before they've been finalized, before they've been sent off, uh, you know, to the planning department for permitting and approval. Um, avoid the changes, right? Do it up front. Help create some standards. And a good technology company, um, you know, like Epic, you know, there's many, many good companies out there like us will help create those standards. So there's a standard specification sheet that that the architect can rely on. And um, that's what we want to be is we want to be the additional resource. So whether that's providing, you know, lunch and learns, continuing education classes, that's one of the other things that we've taken the time to do is become continuing outreach instructor certified. So we can provide continuing education credits to our trade partners and professionals. And so not only do we want to help them keep up with their continuing ag credits and share with them new technology or, or best practices, but we also want to help take some of those other things off of their plate where if they can come to us and say, hey, here's the project. Um, do you have any suggestions? We'll take those plans. We'll make edits to those plans. We'll, we'll do some of those things that helps take some of the burden and load off of their plate. And overall, we wind up with a, with a much better product in the end. Yeah, for sure. If, if you want to learn more about Epic Smart Homes, it's epicsmarthomes.com is the website. Um, Scott, before we wrap things up here, uh, what would you say, you know, you've built this company, we've heard the story of how you've built it, uh, clearly a, a successful company. Um, primarily, the listeners of this show are architects, lots of business owners, lots of small firm leaders. What would you say is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I would say find a technology professional in your area and, and build a relationship with them where there's good trust. Um, so much of what we do is, is based on relationship in order to have a good, uh, you know, positive project outcome, to have a successful project. We need trust. We need partnership. We need good teams, right? It, uh, my recommendation to an architect is find that technology professional in your area that you can build that relationship with, that, that you can build that trust with, and you can count on them project after project. And you guys are going through this together. You're aligned with you know, the, the, the successful outcome and you're helping each other you know, in, in your areas of, of expertise. So I think that's the best thing to do is, is find that relationship, build, build that relationship and trust, and it'll make for, for great project outcomes. 
His name is Scott Ruzich. It is epicsmarthomes.com is the website. Um, if you want to reach out and say hi or thank you or have a question for Scott, you can email him directly at info at epicsmarthomes.com. Scott, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for uh, being out there and providing uh, technology and smart uh, technology to, to homeowners and working with architects and, and sort of leading the way into this new standard that we, that we are eventually going to become the way we all live, right? So thank you for doing that. And thank you for coming by here and sharing your knowledge with our audience at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. It's been a pleasure and, uh, uh, you know, really thank you again for the opportunity. It's been, been great. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. Share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the network dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And visit smallfirmconference.com for more information about our lineup of speakers, check out the agenda, and purchase your tickets for the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, the business conference for small firm entrepreneur architects. We do have a few tickets still available, but we're almost sold out. So visit smallfirmconference.com and register today. And before we wrap up, a special thank you to our partners at Graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to BIM with ARCHICAD software. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. Visit graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect to learn more. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Entree Architect podcast. My name is Mark Arla Page. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term 
The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.